Boozed and Confused is a comedy and weird topic podcast. Adult language may be used probably by me. While our episode topics may be educational in nature, we are not responsible if your children start dropping the F-bomb to their kindergarten class. Listener discretion is advised. Hey. And good morning because it is Sunday morning instead of Sunday night when we're recording. Where did my hour go? <laughs> Daylight savings is a scam. Where did my hour go? That's fine. Um, yeah, we've got. Oh, well, I guess I'll back up. I'm Carol Ann. <laughs> uh, Matt. Me. And this is still Boost and Confused. And I'm obviously still confused. And Matt is just getting boozed now. Well, not not like that badly. It's it's just some coffee and uh, some Appalachian sipping cream. It does seem delicious. Appalachian sipping <laughs> cream. Um, it is very buttery and very like pecan because it's butter pecan. Yeah, that uh, sounds that about right. Makes sense. It's like Bailey's. Um, that's like, you know, like that's like my safe space. This is. This is, uh, this is pretty good, though. All right. We have a really interesting episode. It's one that I wanted to do for a while, and it seems like a pretty opportune time to do this. Um, but before we get into that, just a few notes from us, and you get this every time, so you already know uh, you can skip ahead like 35 seconds and start the episode <laughs> can i skip ahead <laughs> no you can't no. And not hear this <sighs> no um so the first thing is that um what is the first thing oh my gosh this is why we probably don't record on mornings um okay so we are on all of your favorite social media platforms like facebook twitter and instagram uh we've been pretty quiet because things have been busy um, but we are probably going to pick things back up as we get a little bit more settled. So come hang out with us there. If social media isn't your thing and you want to send us an email instead, you can do that at boozedandconfusedpodcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear some like creepy stories that you might have or, I don't know, encounters, some of your favorite conspiracies. The next item is just around reviews. So if you like the pod and you want to support us we don't have like a buy me a coffee or anything um the best way that you could support us is by leaving us a review and following us on your platform of choice and uh, especially if it's apple Podcasts, because it makes a huge difference and it uh, makes the algorithm find other people who would like to listen to the pod so um that is oh no that's not it if you take a screenshot of the review and you send it to us, we'll send you some Boost and Confused stickers for free wherever you are in the world. The last housekeeping item is usually what Matt is drinking. We already went through that. So I think we're probably good to just get into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, sipping cream still. Yeah. <laughs> it's only been about two minutes. I so. haven't even sipped it yet. <laughs> All right. Um, for today's topic... Um, 
everyone at this point has probably heard of that Oprah interview with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. And there's a lot of things that came to light that I think really shocked some people, maybe depending on your knowledge of the royal family, um, maybe not so shocking. And uh, one of the things that came out was like how the family wasn't willing to protect, um, you know, Harry and Meghan from false tabloids, where like they have an entire team usually that is dedicated towards that sort of stuff. And so Megan comes out at one point in this interview and says that she tried to seek help for mental health and the family told her no because of the implications of it, you know, and she was pretty much isolated in the um, palace because they didn't want her going out because the more that she went out, the more that the tabloids wrote about her and thus the cycle continued. But after the interview, a lot of people drew similarities between their situation and Princess Diana. And if anybody watches The Crown, I personally don't, but I'm sure that this is covered, like, to some extent. Maybe. I don't know if they give the royal family a good edit or not. Um, but uh, I'm also pretty sure that uh, everyone already knows this, but in the event that you don't for some reason... Um, Princess Diana was Prince Harry's mother. That shouldn't be a shocker to anybody. Um, so she very tragically passed away on August 31st in 1997 after succumbing to her injuries of a terrible car crash that happened in Paris. And the circumstances of her death have left conspiracy theorists buzzing pretty much for the last, you know, 20 some odd years. And today we're going to chat about why. So before we get into the specifics around her actual death, there's a lot of backstory that needs to be talked about that provides some context. Um, there's there's so much of this story, so we're going to keep it pretty high level to avoid making this like a four hour long episode. Um, but also there's so many documentaries and movies and like TV shows that you could watch if you find this interesting and you want to like just learn more about her and her relationship with the, the royal family. So that's not the purpose of this pod. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'd be down for a four hour episode. Absolutely not. But I don't know if there's going to be another like hour lost. <laughs> like, okay. like it, like it might be like 6 PM and we're done with this thing. And it we could have, be. We have plans today. We do have plans, have today. plans today for the first time. And I don't know how long. We're going to go for a walk around the park. <laughs> the weather is turning. It's finally nice out. Um, all right. So this is the, the TLDR of Princess Diana story. So Diana's the first wife of Charles, who's the Prince of Wales, and he's heir to the British throne. So Charles is the oldest son of Queen Elizabeth II. Um Interesting note about Diana and Charles. Uh, so they were engaged in 1981 and they got married in the same year. Very short engagement. And they had two kids together, Harry and William, who I think at this point that's probably very well known. Um, very gross fun fact. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> when they first met in 1977, she was 16 years old and he was 29. Oh my. And he was dating Diana's older sister at the time. Um, so Diana was about 20 when they got married. Um, what? Isn't that kind of gross? <laughs> was was he like, oh, <laughs> you're not related enough to me to marry. 
But maybe if I marry your sister. I. Oh, drat, but you're 16 years old. Yeah. yeah. What would Prince Philip say? Well, I'm I'm sure. Is there something? Oh, that was. There's. We're not going to get into that today. That wasn't very tasteful. That wasn't very tasteful. (laughs) Maybe we'll have a separate episode on that. Um, But if anybody has any inkling about the royal family, you know that Princess Di was so loved by the people. She was so well known for her her humanitarian work. Um, She's like very famously known for like one of these examples of when she visited AIDS patients at a hospital in London and shook hands with the patient without gloves. Without gloves. Yeah. Right. And that was 1987. And at the time it was just entirely uncommon um and it said that princess diana doing this helped change you know attitudes towards aids after this you know visit that she had which is amazing and there, there are so many other things that she um did but i think that's like one of the most famous examples so um yeah so so far so good but not really <laughs> there's huge issues with Diana and Charles' marriage. Um, So it said that Diana was super lonely in the palace, which, of course, side note, something Meghan Markle said as well because she wasn't allowed to leave, so already drawing a lot of similarities. Um, But they weren't very compatible. Their marriage was not super happy. Obviously, there's a huge age gap. And at some point in their marriage, Charles goes back to dating his ex-girlfriend, the infamous Camilla. Wait, so that's Diana's sister? No. Oh. No. No. Oh. I, sorry for not keeping up on English <laughs> uh, royalty and um, tabloids and such. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. We'll, we'll get there. Oof. Um, so Diana, also still within their marriage, later starts a relationship with Major James Hewitt. And around 1987, um, it comes out that they have a terrible marriage, obviously. And the press starts catching on about their attitudes towards one another. And things are becoming a little bit more publicly known, right? So in 1989, Diana's at a birthday party for Camilla's sister and confronts Camilla about the affair she and Charles are having. And their affairs, like, aren't super duper public knowledge at this point i think um a lot of the tabloids were just talking about like how unhappy they were Mm -hmm. but i don't think it was known that like oh actually they just have straight up relationships outside of the marriage um and so it, it wouldn't really be confirmed for a couple more years that they were having these affairs so 1991 and 1992 are when things really start to heat up and in 91 Um, There are these secret interviews that happen with Diana where she talks about the issues in their marriage. And these recordings go on to be used for a book that's published the following year. And so Andrew Morton in 92 releases a book where he exposes the affairs and Diana's suicidal unhappiness. Oh. Yes. There are attempts that are made to get things back together between Diana and Charles. And that's just not happening at all (laughs) and in 92 and 93 some really bad phone conversations come out um they're they're like leaked and they both paint um or the phone conversations paint both diana and charles in some pretty negative light and they also find that some 
intimate exchanges between Camilla and Charles are published. Oh. <laughs> So by the end of 92, Diana and Charles are separated. Um, They're not officially divorced at this point, but they are separated. And so in 93, Diana starts to suspect that Charles is actually having affairs with more than just Camilla, which wouldn't be shocking. Like, I I don't think that would be surprising. Um, But here's why that's important. It's at this point that Diana writes to her butler and tells him that she thinks Charles is actually in love with his personal assistant, who is named Tiggy. That name rings a bell. Oh, it would ring a bell because it's his son's former nanny. <laughs> oh. Very gross. Thanks, Kanye. Um, she also, like, takes it up a notch and says that she believes Charles is planning on killing her, her being Diana, to make it easier for him to marry Tiggy. This is some Shakespearean shit right here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in 94, Charles does an interview and he's like, oh, yeah, I did get back together with Camilla. But like in 1986, only after my marriage to Diana was like basically, you know, like irreparable. It wasn't going to get fixed. And so during this time, there's a lot of rumors that Diana's dating people like Oliver Hoare. Hoare? Hoare. He's English, right? He's English, right? Just Hoare. H-O-R. There's a lot of, I'll just warn everybody, there's a lot of names in here that I looked at pronunciation for and have probably already forgotten, so I apologize in advance. Um, But he's a married art dealer, uh, so that's a big deal, and she denies that. And then the press also starts to claim that she's dating, like, Will Carling, who's, like, a rugby union player. Oh, a man after my own heart. (laughs) And um, Theodore Fortsman, who's, like, a private equity investor. And I don't think either of those relationships have ever been proven. But the point is, like, there's a lot of potential suitors (laughs) for Diana, um, you know, after their, their separation. So, 95 comes around. And Diana does this interview with Martin Bashir um, for BBC, and it's, like, probably the most famous interview I think she's done at this point. And she talks openly about the affairs they had. So if you've ever heard that quote from her that says, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded, um, that was her in this interview in 95, and she's referring to Charles and Camilla. Mm. And so also in this interview... She's saying she suffered from depression, bulimia, she's self-harmed. Some of the biographers for her have speculated that um, she had borderline personality disorder. I don't know if that's ever actually been proven or not. Um, But this interview is the interview that just absolutely set shit on fire. And (laughs) the palace announces that the queen sent letters to Charles and Diana basically telling them to just get a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) The queen has spoken. And so in 96, they agreed to a divorce. um, And Diana pisses off the palace because she issues her own announcement of the divorce agreement, uh, which is like, I feel like a very badass Diana thing to do of like, like, I'm not going to agree to your terms 100% and you won't speak for me. So... I have my own voice. Um, And in the same year, Diana accuses Tiggy 
because she's still around, of having an abortion after getting pregnant with Charles' kid. Okay. So that's, like, not all terrible, right? Like, they're divorced now. This is pretty bad. (laughs) Um, She's still mom to a prince that's expected to take over one day. So she's still technically family and treated as such. And... um, There's, like, a lot of speculation about the queen wanted her to keep certain titles and duties, and um, Charles didn't want that for her. Um, So there's a lot of, like, you know, drama in that situation entirely. And then 1997 comes around. Diana is in Paris with her companion, Dodi Fayed, and that's, like, a somewhat new relationship. They hadn't really been together for super-duper long Um, But her driver, Henry Paul, is, quote, trying to flee the paparazzi. Also, side note, her bodyguard is also in the car. And so, um, as Henry Paul, the driver, is trying to flee, um, while in the Pont de Lama Lama Tunnel. God, I'm so sorry. Um, The car crashes, and the driver and her partner are both pronounced dead on the scene, and the bodyguard survives, but Diana's taken to the hospital. It's reported that the car was driving around 70 miles an hour. The speed limit was around 30 miles an hour, um, and they collided with a pillar in the middle of the highway. So initial reports come out um, as things are unfolding that says that Diana suffered from a concussion, broken arm, and a cut thigh. And doctors operated for about two hours on some chest injuries that she supposedly had, and they could not get her heart beating again. And so she ended up dying from internal bleeding. Um, Side note, in 2019, um, there's a man named Dr. Richard Shepard, who's one of, like, the top forensic pathologists in Britain, said that Diana died of this, like, tear in the vein of her lung that's so rare he, quote, doesn't believe he's ever seen another one in his career. Uh, he also makes a point to say that uh, her death could have been prevented if she were wearing a seatbelt, which is likely what saved the bodyguard. Yes, this is what I was going to say also. Is what, was I recall vividly in the last three months watching a scientist person talking about the seatbelt thing and there being this diagram of her, like, just popping around in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think they had to get the jaws of life, maybe, to extract her. I don't um, I don't remember 100%. But, I mean, this, this leads to a lot of questions, right? Like, why is Henry driving 70 and a 30? Um, there are some reports that come out that he was intoxicated and he was drinking and driving while also taking antidepressants. Um you know, some reports went on to say he was an alcoholic with like a higher tolerance that made him appear more sober than he actually was when they got into the car. Um, some people believe that the attempt to flee the paparazzi played a huge role, but a lot of people really don't believe any of this actually. And they believe that there's more to the story and that there's some involvement from the palace. Dang. By some involvement, I mean, like, the palace orchestrated the entire thing. There are actually so many conspiracies that swirl around that it leads to the British Metro Police establishing a sort of task force called Operation Paget. 
Paget. Paget. We've, we've been trying to figure out how to pronounce this, and I've literally been... no video will actually just say it. So I've been watching all the YouTube videos that have this word in its title. And, and they won't just say it. Just acknowledge what you are. I, I don't know. This is English, so it's probably Paget. Uh, so Operation Paget in 2004 to investigate all of these conspiracy theories. And it's actually at the request of Michael um, Burgess, who's the coroner of the Queen's household. And I think it's more of a legal necessity because pretty much after you accuse the palace of conspiracy to murder, <laughs> I think they legally have to have... Like acknowledge it. Yeah. Let's call him Burgess. I feel like... What did I'll, I say? Burgess. I feel like it's Burgess. Yeah, it probably is. Again, British. He's never going to come back up in, in this, so... That's, oh, so that's say whatever you want. Sorry, Michael. Doesn't even matter. Um, So there are allegations, and I think the most serious of the allegations is that MI6 deliberately caused this car crash at the direction of the royal family. And I think it's this allegation that kind of leads to the like necessity, the legal necessity for them to open up this investigation. And this allegation comes from Dodie's father, who is pretty prevalent throughout the remainder of the episode. Um, he's like very much under the impression that because of who they were, um, you know, the royal family had like every reason to get rid of him and, and Diana. So spoiler alert, they end up publishing an 832-page report that goes through all of the conspiracy theories that were investigated, some other parts of the case, and there's like 16 chapters in this report that investigate claims that Princess Di was like pregnant to MI6 involvement to like everything in between. And I, I don't know, I have a lot of thoughts about this report because everything is pretty much like, oh, see, we investigated this and it's debunked for this reason. And this couldn't be true because it's been debunked. And in my mind, it's like, <laughs> I don't think that the police in a million years would ever publish something that would be like, yep, the royal family <laughs> did this. <laughs> we, the royal family, have <laughs> investigated. We, the royal family... And we, the royal family, have determined that we, the royal family, are innocent. <laughs> We've done nothing wrong. Um, and so the conclusion at, at this report is that um, the conspiracy theories like didn't have a leg to stand on, and it was basically just a tragic accident. And I just, you know, if we believed that, we wouldn't be doing this episode. <laughs> so uh, let's take some steps back. Let's start with the theory that um, the driver was intoxicated. So Dodie, um, who's the boyfriend, and Henry, the driver, um, both of their families refused to accept the findings that Henry was drunk. And in fact, here's why things get a little hazy for this. So 2006 comes around, and it's disclosed that Lord Stevens, who actually headed Operation Paget, um, tells Henry's parents that their son was not drunk. Okay. Off the record, though. Uh, oh. On the record? So then he backtracks in public, and he's like, oh, wait, no, I didn't say that. Oh. <laughs> and okay. some people speculate that he was trying to, like, 
be nice or like go easy on them because they were so elderly and he didn't want to I don't know offend or upset them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so then it comes out in 2009 that there's DNA samples that match with blood samples basically that quote confirm that Henry's blood alcohol levels were three times the French legal limit what is the French legal limit I don't actually know I didn't look this up. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Keep talking. I'm going to look it up right now. Okay, great. Um, there is uh, – I'm always a person that's like, I'll believe the evidence and I'll believe the science. But, you know, knowing the, um, I guess, like, power that the royal family has, I wouldn't be shocked if there was a way that this could be manipulated or, like, someone could fudge a report somewhere or something, you know. I have the answer. What is it? Um, it says France has very strict drink driving laws. I love they call I it. I love that they call it drink driving. I also like that they say, um, I'm going to hospital. Yeah. <laughs> not I'm going to the hospital. Yeah. I like that better. Uh, it says you are allowed a maximum of 0.05 milligrams per milliliter of alcohol per liter in your blood compared to 0.08 in the UK. Interesting. So a little stricter. Yeah. A little so. Bit. Okay. Let that color your your thoughts. All right. Um, So that's that's that about the driver. So we're going to jump to the MI6 allegations. Let's talk about Richard Tomlinson. So he's a former MI6 officer. He's dismissed from the intelligence services. He actually serves five months in prison for breaching the Official Secrets Act 1989. Um, And he claimed in a sworn statement in May of 1999 that Britain's MI6 had been involved with the crash. And he went so far as to suggest that there was documentation that the security service held that would back up these claims. So he's pretty much coming out and saying, you should believe me. But also, if you don't, (laughs) they have the evidence. Here's, Here's reasons. And so... The August prior to this, um, Richard claims that, uh, you know, he's like with the BBC and he claims that Henry worked for the security services. So he's alleging that the driver was part of the security services. And he also claims that Trevor, um, who's the, you know, bodyguard or another one of her bodyguards named Kess Wingfield, um, was a contact for British intelligence. So he's pretty much saying it's an inside job. Everyone around her had some sort of involvement with some sort of intelligence agency or security service. And he continues with these allegations. It says that MI6 had been monitoring Diana before her death. And he goes as far as telling Dodie's father that Henry was an MI6 agent. And he said Ooh. that here's where it gets That's crazy. deep. Here's where it gets crazy. He said that her death mirrored plans that he saw in 1992 for the assassination of um, Serbia's Slobodan Milosevic. That sounds good. Um, And in that case, the plan was using a strobe light to blind the chauffeur. Oh. Yes. Um, Then the backtracking comes. Oh, (laughs) wait a second. In 2008, Richard says he 
misremembered, um, though he had said in the previous day's court session that Paul was supplying MI6 with information. And um, a correction came from Operation Paget regarding the assassination attempts in Serbia um, after they gained access to MI6 to investigate these claims. And just a couple of notes. <laughs> the proposal was written in 93, not 92, and it was a different Serbian figure. Also did not include anything around flashlights. Um, but yeah, that there was totally like an ass- assassination attempt planned there. <laughs> so there's a few other notes that try to discredit Tomlinson. Um, and one of them is that he was like writing this book before he's arrested and in the book, there's no mention about the stage car crash or, like, lights in the tunnel or anything. And um, allegedly, very loose quotes around this, someone from MI6 says there's no file being kept on Diana or Dodie. There's no plan. Nothing. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Wink, wink. Totally believe that. So, moving on just a little bit, um, there are claims that Diana predicted her own death. So Paul um, Burel, who's her former butler, says that she was so frightened 10 months before the accident that she wrote to him saying a plot was being created by the royal family to kill her. And in this, some of the things she details is that she said her car's brakes will be tampered with and she would suffer serious head injuries. I... Also, can you imagine, like, being Princess Diana and being so on edge that the royal family is trying to kill you? Mm-hmm, hmm I mean, no, I can't Holy imagine. Shit. I can't imagine that, but the sentiment I can imagine. Yeah. Wild. Um, so, one of the more popular theories that you've probably heard of is that Diana was murdered because she was pregnant with Dodie's child. And, again, they did not have a very long relationship, Um it was still new at the beginning of things but even though it was new like there were a lot of talks about them like getting engaged like they were about to get engaged um and this allegedly or apparently didn't sit well with the royal family shocking because Dodi was an Egyptian Muslim and they didn't like the idea of a non-Christian uh being married to someone in the royal family yeah, the um, the English royal family is all like, we started our own church away yeah. <laughs> from the original church because we wanted yeah. to get divorces. But you can't, you can't mess around. Yeah, no, no, not here. We don't do that here. <laughs> so Dodie's father said in court in two thousand and eight, and it's like crazy how recent some of these mm-hmm. like ongoing conversations are. Um, But he says that he believes that Prince Philip and Diana's sister and some others were involved in a plot to kill the princess and his son. And he goes so far as to say in TV interviews that the couple were going to announce their engagement on the Monday after the crash. So, like, just a few days later. And he even says that they chose a ring in Monte Carlo, that Dodie picked it up in Paris the day before he died, and that it had, you know, it was altered or, you know, fitted to her. Um, But this is contradicted by a shop assistant and CCTV footage that shows a Ritz Hotel official selecting the ring, actually. So I would kind of take that as you you will regarding Dodie's father. 
um, maybe some of the things that he that he says. So 2004, uh, Dr. John Burton, who's the former coroner of the Queen's household, says that he attended a postmortem exam of Diana's body where he found her to actually not be pregnant. Um, he said that they tested her blood and it was found to have no trace of HCG, which is associated with is, pregnancy. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's a lot of things about the pregnancy that I'll come back up in a, another um, conspiracy, so I won't. I won't get into it much more, but I, I, I would, I would believe it. Yeah, I wouldn't put past them. All right, so let's talk about the CCTV images. Um, based on the car's journey from the hotel to the crash site, there should be CCTV images, right? That's pretty common. Um, during one of the investigations or like reports that they come out with, it's said that there's more than 14 CCTV cameras in the underpass and none recorded footage of the collision. A different report finds that there's actually 10 locations for CCTV cameras and allegedly not a single one of them had anything relevant to the inquiry and they were mostly facing the building entrances since they were privately operated by the building owners instead of by the city of Paris. All right. So there's not even footage of them in the... No. My original thought was, oh, yeah, they conveniently crashed in a spot where there's no camera. But what you're saying is there's no footage of them at all. But but wait, there's more. Jeez. <laughs> there was also a traffic monitoring camera above the overpass in the tunnel under control of the Paris Urban Traffic Unit... And there's also no recordings because there's no night duty staff because they close up shop at like 11 p.m. Jeez. Very convenient. Very convenient. Um, so that's it about the CCTV images. Another conspiracy is um, this like white Fiat Uno that comes into play. This is one that I didn't really, I guess, know about a, a ton of. Um, so some of this is kind of newer to me. So after the car wreckage is analyzed, it's discovered that there is contact with a white Fiat Uno car that left traces of paint on the bodywork. The French police never found the vehicle. It comes out they investigated like 4,000 cars or something like that. They never found, uh, you know, what car was involved with this. No one had seen the Fiat enter the tunnel, but some witnesses report seeing the Fiat exit the tunnel. And uh, Dodie's father, again, said that the white Fiat Uno was being used by MI6 as a means to make the Mercedes swerve and crash. Um, I, I wouldn't put it past him. So then he continues saying that the car is actually owned by uh, Jean-Paul James Anderson, Anderson <laughs> who's like a French photojournalist, um, and that he's actually a security services agent, according to Dodie. Sorry, Dodie's father. Um, so, Andinson died in 2000. And Dodie's father says that it's either from guilt or because he was assassinated by the French or British security services to keep him quiet. So, it's mm -hmm. worth noting Andinson mm -hmm. committed suicide in 2000. And there's a lot of, like, questions around his death. Um, I think the TLDR very high level is that he had uh, at some point expressed a manner in which he wanted to kill himself, 
to, I think, like, friends or something like that. And that was actually the way that he ended up being found. Um, oh. So if that sways your ideas one way or another about whether it was, um, you know, investigated or not investigated, instigated mm-hmm. by somebody mm-hmm. else. So this uh, white Fiat Uno is investigated. The report basically says um, Andenson didn't keep great care of the car and he actually sold it not very discreetly in October of 1997. And the task force pretty much says because the car was in such bad shape, uh, because it was not discreetly sold, (laughs) that it would be impossible that the car was actually involved. And there's also an alibi for him that says he would have been home like over 170 miles away in Paris, from Paris, uh, at the time of the crash. So, take that what you will. Um, But continuing on with the white Fiat Uno, so there's other, you know, reports that this car actually belonged to uh, a 22-year-old taxi driver named Lee Van Thien. Um, he's never done an interview, not one. Uh, and so in 2006, his dad actually comes out and says that his son resprayed the white car red hours after the crash happened and woke up his mechanic brother in the middle of the night to help him with the process of repainting the car. This is just a normal thing what guys do. Yeah. Sometimes we no, this is a thing. I can confirm this. Yeah. That we decide in the middle of the night we want to paint our car a new color. Yep. This is totally a thing. Yeah. Can confirm. Yeah. Yeah. And so French police are like, you know what? No, actually he wasn't involved. Um, because he was at work. They're therefore not involved. And I a lot of the reasons people have questions around Diana's death. Um, is the way that the French police handled the investigation. And this is one of those reasons why people just don't have a lot of trust in it. Because the French police come out and say, "Mm, not involved, he was at work. But actually, he left work early that night, and he could have been at the scene. And his description matches some of the eyewitness descriptions of someone seen exiting the tunnel seconds after the crash. No, his car's red. Yeah. <laughs> this car is red. Therefore, this car, not, not him. <laughs> this car is red, not. God, okay. <laughs> uh, so the next conspiracy theory is around this bright flash. So kind of going back to, um, you know, the like assassination plan for that Serbian figure. Um, so three eyewitnesses said that there is a bright flash of light before the crash. Uh, one man uh, said that he saw a bright flash, but his three statements that he gave after were contradicting to each other, to police, um, and his statements were all pretty much thrown out. So he just had no consistency in anything that he was saying. And in fact, the second eyewitness is his wife, <laughs> and she's in the passenger seat next to him, uh, and she directly contradicted some of his statements. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, so that's probably an awkward talk on the ride home. (laughs) Uh, And then the third eyewitness is a guy named Brian Anderson, who's an American tourist. He Um, just sounds American. Yes. Brian (laughs) Anderson? We have all these names, and then you call out Brandon or Brian Brian. Anderson. 
And I go, this is an American. This guy's definitely an American. As I was typing these notes out, I was like, this is a very American Brian Anderson. Very American name. Um, and there's not really much more said about his eyewitness statement. Um, but the task force looks more into this and finds other eyewitnesses. And allegedly, none of them corroborate anything about a bright flash, so they conclude that it didn't happen. Mm. Sorry, Brian. Mm. Your words mean nothing. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, the next theory is around her seatbelt. So, uh, Diana's sister, Sarah, claims that Diana was religious in putting on her seatbelt. And, like, her friends said the same thing. Like, it's, it's not just her sister saying, like you know those couldn't happen because she always wore a seatbelt it's like everyone that was close to her kind of said the same thing and so claims start going around that there's two things that happened either diana and Dodie's seatbelts failed or they weren't used and they suggest that it's something sinister and they allude to sabotage okay see this goes back to that random I forget. It, this is a random night. I was watching a bunch of like Princess as you do. Diana. Yeah. yeah, as I do, <laughs> as I want to do. Uh, usually, it's a, like a Reddit post, and then I just go down a rabbit hole. Um, and then it's three o'clock in the morning. I wake up. You're asleep on the couch, and like there's something super random playing on the TV. Yeah, because you know yeah. it inspires me. Obviously, um, <laughs> no. I specifically remember this really in depth like like computer graphic of like what they think happened mm -hmm. when the crash happened and yeah. if, if she was so religious about putting on her seatbelt why would she not have her seatbelt on well i don't know um so there's this analysis that's done that pretty much found that all the seatbelts were in working order allegedly allegedly literally all of this like i'm so skeptical because of like the power that the royal family has where i i just i find it hard to believe they wouldn't be able to influence some things like this there's just no way right. there's no way right all right the royal family has the power to control seatbelts efficacy whose side are you on here Matt just removed a fake mask, and actually, it's Prince Charles. It's me, Prince Charles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so the next conspiracy is around actually getting Diana to the hospital. And um, maybe they got lost. Yeah, well, maybe. So we do know her boyfriend and the driver died at the scene. Diana was alive when she was put into the ambulance. So the first call to EMS was at 12.26 a.m. And the ambulance arrives at the hospital at 2.06 a.m. That's a lot of time in between. And That's people, a pretty long drive. So people find this to be really sketchy. And so the time between takes into account, like, the ambulance actually getting there, extracting Diana from the car, um, traveling from the site to the hospital, so police first arrive at the scene at 1230 a.m. The doctor in charge of the ambulance arrives around 1240 a.m. Mm -hmm. Diana's removed from the car at 1 a.m. She goes into cardiac arrest and they resuscitate her. Mm -hmm. 
So she's moved to the ambulance at 1.18 a.m. The ambulance leaves the crash scene at 1.41 a.m. And it takes about 26 minutes to get her from the scene to the hospital. Okay. So there's a couple things about this that make people really skeptical. I will preface all of this with I have absolutely no medical background. I don't know if this is the right thing to do. I don't know if another doctor would have made these calls. Um, well, let me see here. I, I grew up watching <laughs> ER um, with my mom. Yeah. So I have an idea. So uh-huh. I'll let you know. Yeah, perfect. I would love your um, analysis after. You got it. <laughs> so... Uh, the 26 minutes includes a stop that's ordered by the doctor, supposedly because of a drop in her blood pressure. Uh, actually, they were stopping. <laughs> they were stopping at a drive-through to get some yeah. some chips. Yeah, because that's a thing. Uh huh. Late night chips. Yeah, that's. Oh, that okay. sounds good. Yeah. I know it's only 10 o'clock in the morning, but that oh, sounds good. Well, we have an air fryer now, so oh, aren't we doing we well? Can, we can now do that. Um. So he instructs the ambulance to drive slowly because he's concerned about her blood pressure and the effects that deceleration and acceleration would have um, on her condition overall, right? So they're purposely driving slowly, allegedly to maintain um, instead of worse in her condition. My eyebrows are, are furrowed <laughs> right now. Uh, I know that my driving tends to get your blood pressure up. Yeah, but, <laughs> very high. Uh, but your backseat driving tends to... To raise my blood pressure so very stressful times in the car uh, cannot confirm cannot confirm that this yeah. is a thing uh, it never happened on er yeah okay so the other part about this that i feel like in theory makes sense um the ambulance actually passes one hospital like en route to <laughs> we're not the, going to this one to the hospital that she eventually ends up at and the reasoning supposedly for this is that a different doctor actually makes the call to transfer her to the hospital that she ends up at. Um, but he makes this call in conjunction with the doctor that was on the scene because the hospital that she eventually ends up at is better suited for trauma patients. And so it's basically like saying, you know, the hospital didn't have the heart surgery teams needed or the neurosurgical teams needed. Um, so in our case, it would be like someone bypassing all the hospitals on 95th to go to Christ Hospital because they're better suited for whatever. Ah, yeah, I could course. Like, I could, I could see that. Of course. But it just leaves a lot of questions. Like, like if she were to have gotten to the hospital faster... Would she have survived? Don't know. We'll see about that. Didn't see that episode of ER, so. No, yeah, they um, they conveniently didn't, didn't yeah. have the queen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because, I, like, I think ER, I think ER was a, no, I'm thinking of, there's an entire, like, Chicago series. There's, like, Chicago yes. Fire. Yeah. Not the soccer team. The foot, the football club. Yeah. Oh, football club. Oh, football friends. Oh, football club. <laughs> no. Um. Then there's Chicago PD, and then there's like a hospital one, and Chicago they're Chicago Med. Right. Yeah. Sure. Why maybe. not? Um. It's it's pretty tired. I I want to say ER was like Cook County. Oh. I want to say it was Chicago. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I never watched ER. I just remember the episode where one of the main characters like has like a brain tumor. Oh, lovely. 
And but then they played that song by the guy, the 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 Hawaiian guy who sang Somewhere, Somewhere Over, the, Over Rainbow. the Rainbow. Yeah. Yeah, that's my like only memory of ER. Which so is... maybe I'm not the most qualified uh, specialist. Is this expert. your own analysis of yourself? Uh, upon hearing what you said, this is my analysis, <laughs> and my analysis is I don't know. Perfect. Um, all right. So the second to last um, head scratcher, I'll call it, is the embalming at the hospital. And um, Dodie's father says that they rushed to embalm her at the hospital after she died so that they couldn't actually get a positive pregnancy test. Uh. Okay, but here's the part that's like actually kind of like messed up about this. The actual reason given for rushing this embalming process was that Diana's sisters and Prince Charles were scheduled to view her body, plus the French president who wanted to like pay his respects with his wife, mm-hmm. and the medical team didn't believe her body was in a proper state to display. Okay. And so the only approval that they had gotten for embalming, because there's an entire process that you have to go through in yeah, France. Is there like draining? Oh, I don't know about the French embalming process well i mean the embalming process itself is similar but yeah in the america, like legalese around it right like is, in america don't we use like like recycled french fry uh, oil <laughs> oh my God. mcdonald's donates their i'll have to ask um i'll have to ask my good friend taylor who does not listen to this pod but she went to mortuary school that's and worked how you in a fight funeral the home. smell yeah is with like french fries have you ever gone to a, a you know like uh like a wake and you smell like french fries yeah that's that's it that's it that's it that's it that's i think you're on to something here um <laughs> so um yeah so there's this entire process that needs to happen before the actual embalming and um in this case they only got verbal approval which is sketchy in itself um but there's also a lot of paperwork that needs to be done and this paperwork was only done after the embalming was actually finished, hmm. which is yep. sketchy. This is, uh, to say the least. Yeah, sketchy. Um, my personal favorite, and I left this one for last, is that there's a conspiracy theory that all of this was faked so that Diana and Dodie could marry and live on a private tropical island together away from the royal family. Um, and people believe this one because they say, well, we never saw her body. I really hope this is true. I uh, maybe she's living somewhere tropical with her 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 man. Yeah. And Tupac's there. <laughs> and Elvis. Elvis is somehow still alive. Yeah. Um, maybe Michael Jackson, Prince. Oh, could you yeah. imagine the fun they would have? Oh gosh, maybe David Bowie is there. I'm pretty sure he just died. I'm pretty sure he's like just straight up dead. Okay. But oh. If he weren't. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And Freddie Mercury. Oh, Freddie would totally be that. Freddie and Diana, oh, I feel like would be along the like best of friends. Besties. Oh, gosh. Oh. I mean, now, I, now I want like a story in which Princess Diana and Freddie Mercury are friends. Like, give me that universe. Yeah. Let yeah. Me, take me back. Let me try that again. So they never found a body. There was never a body that was... Like, displayed? Yeah. Were there no, like, crash site pictures Um, No, because remember, she... So, there are crash site pictures. I don't... 
I didn't get morbid enough to like look to see if there were pictures of like Dodie's body. Um, yeah, I don't feel like going on 4chan. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, a little too heavy for me on like a Sunday morning. Um, I know we have plans today. Yeah, we have, <laughs> we have plans. Why do you want to ruin your future plans by yeah. by doing this? Um, and so, yeah, I I I don't know. There's there's so much, and genuinely, I find it very hard to believe that this is just an accident. I really do because you just think about the influence that the royal family has. It's the same thing with like politicians in America, the influence that they have that we don't know about, um, but they could make a lot of things disappear. Right. Like your trip to Cancun <laughs> while your state is um, yeah. dying. Yeah. Uh, but then you have time to go to CPAC and, and yeah. uh, pray to... Nope, we're not doing it. Nope, yeah. nope, nope, nope. I already no. started it. We're, we're not doing this. Also, funny note. Um, so my, my dad said that he listens to the pod. And he uh, told me this week that he's no longer going to listen because he's listening to the GM episode. And he didn't like the way that we ganged up on Elon Musk and Ted Cruz. I, I have no problem chatting shit about the zodiac killer <laughs> um and I, I thought i thought i was pretty nice about Elon. i mean like i know like if anything i thought you were fanboying over Elon I, Musk. so as much of a, a, a questionable character as 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 he is uh, i am extremely entertained by his yeah. uh the aura he yeah. gives off um yeah. yeah he when he's on podcast he talks kind of like an asshole well, because he is an asshole. And so, like, <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> so, like, I, I'm also not, like, a huge, like, like a, I'm not a huge Joe Rogan, like, fanboy. Like, I know he's got this really weird niche. He's, like, oh, who's that, who's that actress uh, who, who has um, goop? Oh, Gwyneth Paltrow. I feel like he's a less forward, like, upfront version yeah. of Gwyneth Paltrow with his, like, products that he like plugs yeah. uh but i also i'm thoroughly entertained by him i mean he just asks a lot of questions that i would ask mm -hmm. but, he, but he's always like you ever took dmt yeah yeah i took dmt a couple times i hunt elk but like their their discussions are very entertaining yeah. but i i wouldn't say i'm like a, you know, like a blind like oh i love elon i think he's i think he's a super villain <laughs> um yeah. him and bezos are like two like definite super villain well, that type was, people, yeah. that was especially exactly Bezos. The like, made, yeah. like when they laugh, they have the super villain laugh. Especially yeah. Jeff Bezos. It's the same thing with Mark Zuckerberg. It's something... Zuckerberg's actually not a person. He's actually <laughs> a, an android. Uh, if any of you friends ever watched Star Trek, he's Data. He's he, he's actually a very a very 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 uh, early version of Data yeah, from Star his, Trek. His facial movements um, in like these Congress hearings. Drink water. They <laughs> look smile. Like, they look like um, like a, a robot trying to impersonate a human. Um, but basically, all of that to say, Dad, if you're still listening to this, I know you were lying. Thanks for still tuning into this week's episode. <laughs> yeah, my favorite, my favorite father-in-law I've ever had. So. That really wraps it up for this week. I would be really curious to hear what everybody's thoughts are about um, Diana's death and if you believe that it was an accident, if you believe that there's a conspiracy behind it, and like what your thoughts are on the actual conspiracy behind it. Because 
Um, there, I, I think there are other conspiracies uh, around her death. I picked the ones that were like the most popular or like well known and researched. Um, but I, there's a lot more out there. Uh, I didn't want to make this a four hour episode, so. Well, I still have to watch the Oprah interview. Uh, I can't do it. And I feel like I, I should have said this way at the beginning, is that back when I played rugby in college, my nickname was Prince Harry. Yeah. So, like, basically, yeah. I mean, you're, like, pretty close to royalty. And, and my mom claims that a couple times people would, like, come up to her and go, oh, the prince is here. And it was me. And I'd be like, that's a really cool story. I hope that's true. <laughs> because... I mean, as a redhead, I feel like people kind of like lump us together. Yeah. Um, you, you deserve better. No, I would love to be Prince Harry. Well, no, no, no. You can be Prince Harry, but I mean, you deserve better than to be lumped together with all of Oh, us. I'm lumped in with like Carrot Top and that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I can't really name many redheads in the world. Carrot Top's like top of the list. <laughs> oh my. Oh, I'm, I'm having um, gingers have soul. Um flashbacks like mm-hmm. that that uh that south park episode mm-hmm. um oh, ron howard's a redhead <laughs> yeah ron howard's a redhead and that's that's really all they got so i'm gonna go google redheads now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i gotta see who's, who's on my team here um so that is pretty much it for today's episode thank you so much for tuning in this week um it's not like a usual one that we we do but it felt very um timely so yeah um yeah. remember the more you live stream the less the royal family can make you vanish yeah <laughs> without a trace um so thank you again for tuning in we drop new episodes every monday and uh we'll see you next week yeah cool uh i wonder what we'll do next week i don't know we'll probably find out sunday a few hours before we record <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Okay, bye. Bye.